Hi, my name is Sadia Tariq and you're listening to Thani the podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Nicole Payne. She is my personal chiropractor and she also happens to be a functional medicine practitioner and mobility specialist who has been practicing for over 15 years in the UK and Canada. In this podcast we talk about optimal joint health optimal spinal health what are the ways that we are working towards a better spine or a worse spine and then towards the end nicole gives us an insight a peek into her book which is about to be published called eat move thrive Thank you for listening to the podcast and please feel free to share it with your family and friends. Nicole, thank you so much for being on Thani. Delighted, delighted to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um Nicole, I um I'm going to uh, sort of pick on your brain. I have a few questions and uh, please um help us understand. um so diving right in um since you are um a chiropractic and osteopath and you are working with uh bones and joints and human bodies all the time and mind too <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> so very briefly uh what do we mean by joint health and the other part to the question is how does that feed into our other dimensions of uh um mental emotional psychological well-being uh it's a great question uh i as a chiropractor yes i deal with bones and have been for like 15 years um i'm also a functional medicine practitioner so that kind of aspect which also delves into that joint health uh area but to answer your first question because that's two parts there the area of joint health and what it requires i'd like to define what is joint health maybe first uh just for your through your um listeners so joint health is essentially it requires a joint which is the two bones that meet and form an a joint that moves unless you're talking about the sutures in the skull the sutures in the skull are immobile um but otherwise every other joint is generally has some motion And so we we want free mobility of those joints. Mm-hmm. No restrictions, no problems, no issues when we move them. We want them to be pain-free. Uh we want to give a good healthy joint gives good feedback to your nervous system, to your brain and your spinal cord. 
Uh, and we want to have full controlled range of motion. So we want to be able to move that joint to its outer ends of range. Uh, and to each person, this is different. So there are many reasons why people might have restrictions on their joint health or they're born with restrictions. They may have more than other people, but that all depends on the person. But we want your joint to move as freely as it can for itself. And then delving into the mental, emotional, and uh, and I think what you're terming there is the biopsychosocial, that whole model of, of health. And free, movable joints, when they're pain-free, one huge thing they do is provide this good feedback to your brain of space and time. So they tell your body that the joint is healthy, that it doesn't need to stimulate pain receptors, that it can move, and it maintains that range of motion. When we don't move our joints or don't have healthy joints, it teaches your brain that actually this joint has restrictions, has pain, and it actually your body will then close off some of that range and close off some of that. And so then this leads to better body awareness, which is actually mm -hmm. one part of a real huge part of mental health and, and well-being. If you feel healthy, then you'll mentally feel more healthy. Mm. Being pain-free is huge because anybody who knows, I mean, I know your own issues, but lots of people who have chronic pain, that really plays on your psychological, mental, and emotional health on a daily basis from minute to minute, really. Mm. So would it be sort of correct to assume that this is like a two-way road? Because sometimes, you know, when you're sort of depressed and anxious or sort of, you know, just this strange gloom kind of settles on you, you don't want to move. And yeah, obviously no. that lack of movement is going to not really feed into, as you were saying, good joint health. Or yeah. is it the other way around? It's both. So your lack of movement will feed back to the brain and tell mm -hmm. it that we're not feeling good. We don't want to move. And then your brain will then send signals down to that joint and say, oh, let's close up, which is that natural thing people do. Like you've injured yourself and your whole body goes, I'm going to tighten up and not move. But this is the worst thing you can do both for your physical health and your mental health. Because when you stop moving and stop moving those joints in a healthy way, you stop the healthy feedback to the brain, you stop the healing, you stop the nutrition, you stop the oxygen going in. So it's, it's literally the worst thing you can do to stop moving, which is, I know, very hard. Because as soon as you're in pain, you want to not move. get rid of the toxins is by actually moving. So they get good oxygen and they get the nutrition in and they get, take out any toxic byproducts that we don't need. And when we don't move, they then build up and then we get issues and we get inflammation and pain. Again, coming from your functional medicine background and of course your very, very deep insight into uh, the human body and how it works and the bone structure what do you suggest to a regular person who's perhaps not involved in any sort of sports and no running and no swimming? Yeah, yeah. What kind of uh, nutrition are they looking at? Or let's say what is the basic uh, bare minimum that we are uh, looking at to achieve uh, some reasonable joint health, spinal health? So reasonable joint health requires... It's almost constant 
feedback and movement, which is sounds a little crazy and a little overwhelming to hear that actually we should be moving all the time. There's a study that the, I can't remember the exact paper. I can find it if you want it in your show notes. But um, some Canadian researchers did where they had some uh, EMGs on the muscles of the abdomen and they had people sit and play a video game and it took only four minutes for an 80% reduction in blood flow to those tissues, which is like staggering to me because we're always told at least move every half an hour. So that's kind of the current recommendation is tell people to move half an hour, but actually we should be moving more less than it should be less than four minutes really because if it's 80 percent reduction that's reversible that's not permanent or anything but it is it just tells you how much more we should be moving so it should be more that we should try to move for our day so natural movement so you don't have to go running and exercising you can walk you take the stairs when you are back in an office when you're going to an office instead of driving maybe you could take some of your commute on a on a bike or walking, things like that. So natural movement is the biggest, biggest factor by far for joint health, for longevity. And it's not just the actual moving, the impact of walking creates stronger bones. So natural movement is by far number one. And then number two is a preventative mobility sequence, which both you and I are trained in. The uh, functional range systems uses controlled articular rotations. And all that really is, is circles of your joints done with some tension and control to the outer ranges. And the way that we prescribe it in this kind of preventive mobility way is that we just want you to move every one of your joints to their full range of motion, whatever you have, whatever restrictions and things, but whatever you have, with a little bit of tension and control every day, at least once a day. Mm. The truth mm. being, it should be multiple times a day, or I like to tell people, you know, brush your joints twice a day, like you brush your teeth twice a day. But if you just move those joints for regular people, if they move them every single day, then you're just combating that decline and inserting that preventative mobility into your body. Um, I, yeah, I, I remember you mentioning that you have uh, that you're in the process of writing a book and you've incorporated a lot of uh, this FRC systems uh, in the book and uh, sort of guiding people. So we'll come to your book later. I'm excited yeah. to know more about mm-hmm. it. But before that, um, you know, again, thinking of joints, I am thinking of arthritis and I'm thinking of uh, osteoporosis and rheumatoid arthritis. What what happens in the, such conditions to the joints? So all of those are actually, so osteoporosis is low bone density. That's when people mm-hmm. age, they often get a lower bone density. And that's that natural walking will help prevent that because by walking and doing weight-bearing exercise, you will increase your bone density. The other okay. two, osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, are actually both inflammatory. Now, rheumatoid arthritis is the one that we've traditionally thought of as an inflammatory arthritis or an inflammatory joint condition. And osteoarthritis, we've always called wear and tear. But recent studies have Mm -hmm. shown that it's actually also an inflammatory process. It's just not as systemic as rheumatoid arthritis. So with rheumatoid, the whole body, you'll get really swollen, painful joints. Whereas osteoarthritis, You'll also get pain and swelling, but it's the local inflammation that we're talking about. So both are inflammatory. So this motion of the cars or just moving natural movement is anti-inflammatory. 
So again, it's counterintuitive if you have arthritis and you have joints that are worn or painful, the best thing you can do is actually move them in a controlled way. I'm not saying go run a marathon, but in a controlled way for your body, it decreases pain, it increases um, the nutrition and the oxygen into the joints, and it will also then um, get them healthier. So when you say inflammatory, that sorry, is is it the the sac between the joints inflamed? Is it the bones, the muscles, so it's, the ligaments? I mean, yeah. So in osteoarthritis, in both really, because both of them are inflammatory. So in osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, so any joint inflammation condition, you have the actual joint, you have the joint surfaces, and you have this mm-hmm. fluid inside, and the inflammation is generally on the cartilage underneath, on the bone and the cartilage. But then there's inflammation within the synovial fluid as well. So that inflammatory mm-hmm. markers will they'll pick that up in the in the joint. And how does uh, stress uh, sort of lend its beautiful hand in all yeah. of this? Yeah. <laughs> so stress itself is actually inflammatory to the body, mm-hmm. um, and so stress itself will cause more inflammation specifically in people who have systemic inflammation. So rheumatoid arthritis being an example, it can make things worse. And so when you're stressed, your adrenals and your body are all really, really stressed and it causes more inflammation in the body. And so finding ways to mitigate that to actually reduce your stress, whether it's stillness, meditation, movement, whatever works for you, sleep, all those will help with your joint health as well. So, you know, like sleep and nutritional health and uh, stress, as you're saying, and movement is just so, so, so essential. So essential just to just to fundamental health. Like I like to always say, and as we said, we'll talk about this later in my book, but it's like the forgotten fundamentals of health. Like people just don't realize all this stuff is available to you. You don't have to actually you know, it's not rocket science. You don't need, you just need to learn how to move. You need to eat well. You need to take care of yourself, rest and have sleep and adequate nutrition. And so much of all we deal with and the stress will, will reduce. Mm. You know, whilst you were talking, you, I, I, and you, you mentioned the functional brain systems. I remember when, uh, uh, with your colleague, when I was doing the, the FRC course, Dr. Dre, um, he, he did, he, he mentioned that, you know, the, the, in the process of evolution, human evolution, what's happened is that we have, we now take time out to move. Yeah. Whereas before it was just movement and we would take time out to rest. Yeah, I think and that's he, how the bodies have deteriorated. Yeah, I think he's he's always quoted as saying exercise is a human invention to combat what we're not what we're not what we're not doing and really what we're meant to be doing, which is just moving as hunter gatherers. Oh dear, <laughs> quite depressing actually. Yeah, it's it's slightly. I know. I think when I took the course my first time, I was just a bit like. <gasps> Oh no, <laughs> what's the point? Because there's so much that we do that is detrimental to our health, movement being one of them, or lack of movement being one of the major factors. Mm. 
So um, I know since the time I've been coming to you that you have a huge appetite to to learn and to practice and to sort of put your learnings into practice, uh, learn. But uh, and now you're in the uh, uh, so your book is almost done now. Yeah. So first, what made you write the book? Two, um, give us a peep into into the book. Okay. Uh, so what made me write the book? All the stuff we've been talking about. So my experience with. Um, movement. So as a chiropractor, I have actually gone through a big metamorphosis. You graduate school and it's very much pain-based and um, just get people out of pain and then you treat. And when I took the FRS systems about eight, nine years ago, because I went to school with uh, Dr. Spina and the other guys, and it just completely changed my mindset. So then I started inserting this mobility, movement, all this kind of stuff. And I just had this drive to teach that to people, which I've done through kin stretch, through my patients, that kind of stuff. So that's one part of the book. And that's one reason that I wanted to write this book. Hmm. I then it took me on a journey then to also taking really trying to find that root cause of people's issues and conditions. And as a chiropractor, I see people and many times it is maybe a movement is is the issue maybe nutrition is the issue but it's not just a lack of an adjustment or you know posture or things like that it's actually figuring out that root cause this whole health and so I took a master's in functional medicine um, which took me a couple years to complete and then started practicing that so I started applying this it's kind of a Um, root cause medicine where we're looking at trying to find where your issues are and not just say oh for example someone is hypothyroid which is low thyroid hormone we want to know why are you autoimmune is there an inflammatory process and you keep in um, digging deeper to find where the root cause is and so I did that for Mm -hmm. a couple of years and after a couple of years I realized a couple things one that Functional medicine is very cost prohibitive because it's very time um, intense. And so it takes a lot of time to get all this information out of the people and and create this plan. It's amazing, Uh, but it makes it quite expensive. So then it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Uh, And I also knew that all the stuff that I've been taking in my courses, the mobility, the movement stuff, the functional medicine is actually lifestyle medicine or habit change and people could do that themselves and so I thought actually I'm going to write a book Um, I had this idea in my head about three years ago to write this book um, and started writing it on paper which I love the process and now it's going to be ready it's going to be ready in in just a few weeks the book is actually I have a print proof already but we're just working on you know finalizing all that Uh, and then I can actually get it out into the world so people can take take charge themselves and and reclaim their health. Mm. So, um, and you're saying it's out soon uh, and it will be available, uh, you know, yeah, so the all book, the usual suspects. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it'll be, I'll have it on, I'll sell some copies myself uh, as well as on Amazon um, and then we'll look to get it in some other stores and things like that in the future. It'll be out July 20th. Um, but yeah, the book is, is called Eat, Move, Thrive. And so it has three mm-hmm. main components. Eat being uh, what to eat, when to eat, and how to eat, including mm. 
different recipes. It's got 45 recipes that are healthy and easy to make. Um, and also tastes good. <laughs> um, the moon, yeah, that's important too. Yeah, you can make make. I've, I've made many recipes thinking this is a great idea, and then my husband's like, "No, no, that's not good." <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of things I might eat myself, but um, he might not. So I had to had to. He's a good test subject. Uh, and then sure. you have the move component, which is a lot of the stuff we've just been speaking about maintaining and getting your joints healthy so pre preventive mobility so dre has approved that in the book to get that out to people um as well as natural movement and also uh i do have an intense movement program so the book has like a four-week movement program and plan that you can do and a four-week uh menu planner so it's got everything you need to do four weeks of reclaiming your health and I call it a 30-day plan because the first two days are prep days so there are days where you can assess clean out your pantry get yourself ready we have a big evaluation section in the book and I think that's there's a lot of books out there that are movement and food but I wanted to create something where people will do all these surveys and scans and do a few little movement tests to assess their body themselves. So after these set of tests, they can know where they're at. And then after 30 days, they do a small reassessment and they can reevaluate and see where they are. You know, I just love the idea of how you are actually enabling people to uh, take charge themselves. Yeah, I think that's one whether of the it's your kitchen, whether it's your movement, assess yourself and then take the right course, right? Because, yeah. you know, yes, of course, we need practitioners uh, um, like yourselves and we need the doctors and we need the medicines. So that's fine. But then there is so much that we can do only if we are guided, right? Totally. Like I would say upward 75, 80% of the stuff in functional medicine, the, the habits and the interventions are stuff that anybody can do from their own home they can eat better and and actually the truth is we can tell you stuff but you still have to do it so teaching teaching you to do it is actually the only way to get real buy-in because i can tell people and i've done it before where i've had some people come for functional medicine and unless they actually implement it that money's wasted right i'd rather someone take charge and empower them to take control of their own health Mm, sure. Um, you know, we whilst we were talking um, and just sort of coming towards the end of the discussion, you've spoken about the movement part and that sort of takes care of one third of your uh, book as well. And when you mentioned eat, I was just sort of curious that the, the recipes that you've shared, are they uh, sort of anti-inflammatory or are they anti, I mean, are they filled with antioxidants or is it everything? Is it like a lot of fat in there, healthy fat? Just, 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 you know, just give us an overview of what the recipes are all about and what are they looking to achieve? For sure. The, the recipes are trying, trying to do all of that, I would say. Um, so the main goal of the recipes is to create a plate that people can create themselves. So they have a, a protein source, a healthy fat, um, half a plate of vegetables. And then if you have space, uh, a quality carbohydrate. So the whole plan has this plate that you can fill in that you can then take to any restaurant or apply it to your own life. And so the recipes are focused first on vegetables because a lot of our 
um, recommendations, government recommendations in the past have always been fruit and vegetables. And most people, as always, will choose fruit before they choose vegetables. Indeed. It, it tastes delicious. I totally understand why. I love fruit. I can eat an entire melon, but that's a lot of sugar for an entire melon. <laughs> so if you start with vegetables, add your protein and your healthy fats, then you have the base of getting full and and actually eating a lot of adequate nutrition. So the vegetables, the other main thing is that they're so nutrient dense. Their amount of vitamins, minerals, polyphenols, everything in there in vegetables. And then your second most nutrient dense really are your protein sources. And they have so many vitamins and minerals in them. People don't think of them, they think of just as protein as this building block, but actually vitamin A, iron, all this kind of stuff is, is found in your protein source. Sure. And then healthy fats. And I really wanted to focus on that because a lot of, I mean, there's all this keto stuff now. There's a lot of different diets going on. But healthy fats, which are things like our olive oils, our avocados, our nuts, um, grass-fed butter, healthy butter, etc., coconut oil, all that actually provides you with healthy fats that every single cell in your body is made of fat. And if you eat poor inflammatory fats, your cells, which means your entire body, will be made of unhealthy fats. Nobody wants that. Sorry, my question quickly here is that what kind of unhealthy fats are there? Just so that when we go yeah, out again yeah. for grocery shopping, we, we know what to pick Some up. Some of the easy healthy fats, so stay away from industrial seed oils. And what I mean by that is anything that has had a chemical process to remove the oil. So sunflower, mm. um, safflower, vegetable, canola. A lot of people think canola or... Um, uh, rapeseed oil is healthy, but it has a really high processing point. So you have a really high temperature and it changes the fat. So fats are really unstable and any high temperature will change that over. And oh, so yeah. if you go to the grocery store, the best things to have are real fats like, you know, butter, tallow, um, coconut oil and olive oil. Because olive oil, especially if it's cold processed, is really great. Flax oil, you can get cold processed. You can now get avocado oil. Those are all really great ones. And they can be used for cooking and for just dressing salads, etc. things like that. Sure, sure, sure. Wow, that's, uh, that's exciting. So all the recipes in the book have like, there's breakfast, there's main meals, there's um, lots of different baking to do. And all the recipes are, and I... I say this with a little reservation, they're free from any sugar, <laughs> um, but they still taste great. So I've sweetened any of the baking and the recipes with real fruit, so bananas or apples or things like that, or coconut instead of, because actually many of us have eaten and we love something like banana bread, for example. For sure, for yeah, sure. <laughs> so delicious. And my banana bread recipe in the book is made with bananas, no added sugars, which sounds weird, but you'll be surprised how sweet it is with just that interesting interesting really really looking forward to uh, uh getting a copy of your book um nicole just uh, sort of wrapping up uh two questions again just for the audience if uh you are you available for online consultations because you know the listeners are sort of all over the world so if they want to sort of uh, get in touch with you regarding their joint health or even uh, sort of a functional medicine route can they get in touch and if yes where can they find you 
Of course, yeah. So I do both um, online mobility movement training, assessments, whatever people need, and if need be, even assessments to then send you to the right practitioner. I do that kind of stuff. Functional medicine, I do a lot online as well. So I assess people's nutrition, their health, and what's going on, really find that root cause. Um, the easiest way to get me is to go to um, at, uh, so either on, on social at, at eatmovethrive30 or my website. Uh, eatmovethrive30.com it's probably the easiest way because it's simple and easy to say and people can find me there brilliant brilliant thank you thank you so much for um, all uh, the information that you've shared with us and of course your time with us and uh, I think very soon I will be making a visit personal visit to see you <laughs> thanks so much Maria. thank you Nicole take care we'll see you again soon yep bye bye